Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel and Adam to talk about Mad Max. Mad Max is a 1979 Australian dystopian action film starring Mel Gibson, directed by George Miller and produced by Byron Kennedy. It's set in a world that's self-destructing, and it stars Mel Gibson as the vengeful Australian policeman who sets out to stop motorcycle gangs. Um, that doesn't quite capture the feel of Mad Max, but it gives you the gist. Uh, but before we start, I wanted to give Joel the floor because we're doing the what is this? The Twelve Days of Fismas is the, the Twelve uh, Days of Fismas, and, and so that's related to Jaws uh, to, to Joel's uh, to Joel's book that he he's going to talk about. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so as you guys know, um, I this year I released uh, Lone Wolf Fist, my big fat TTRPG. It's available in uh, PDF and print from Drive Through RPG. And uh, coming next year, we got our second Kickstarter coming, Acid and Steel, which is going to just add uh, demons, robots, and all kinds of cool stuff to the post-apocalyptic kung fu world of the world of ashes and ghosts. So I wanted to make sure I'm plugging it every single one of these, uh, but getting the plug out of the way early so we can get to the the meat of the episode. So, yeah, and and they'll be related because we're going to be doing a lot of films that are similar in tone to what. Joel is going for, or at least at the very least, they're related in terms of action. Um, this one, I think, is more related in terms of setting than, you know, I don't think there's a lot of mutants walking around just yet in the, uh, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but anyways, um, also, Joel, I, I've also succumbed to the TTRPG uh, term. Uh, I, I, I use that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it, it's it, inevitable. It, you gotta you gotta just go with the flow on that one. Well, I I kind of grew up with both, you know. Like when I was when I was growing up, it was mostly the '90s, and video game RPGs were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they were a lot of people's gateway drug into like the traditional stuff. And I don't know, a tabletop RPG kind of just feels right because uh, it's a different little space that you occupy. So yeah. It- it took me yeah. a while because it was always RPGs to me, but I just noticed yeah. in terms of searchability and all that stuff, yeah, if you go with RPG, the thing. You're, you're just going to get lost in a mire of computer games, so you, you're better off doing yeah. TTV RPG. <laughs> um, a mire. Oh, what an apt description for most RPGs. <laughs> so, so anyways, this, this movie came out in 1979, and I guess maybe we should say what we feel about the movie before we get into the meat and potatoes of the discussion in case anybody here has like an unusual opinion of the film, um, you know, like doesn't like it or whatever. I think, I think it's a great movie. Um, yeah, this is like one of those universally beloved movies. I can't think of anyone who dislikes Mad Max. I'm sure there's somebody, I'm sure there's somebody who doesn't like the film. Well, after, well, after the podcast, we should look up bad reviews of Mad Max and see. Yes. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I, for me, and I know that I'm definitely an outlier with this opinion, I prefer this to the other Mad Max movies. Um, and for me, the reason why is it just feels more like a real movie to me than the, like, and, and the other movies are great. Like, I love The Road Warrior. And, and again, Thunderdome isn't as good as the first two, but it's still a fun movie. Like, and I love Tina Turner in it. And I, there's a lot of things that I like about it. It just, it just has a lot of awkward components that I could do without. Um, but this movie, it, it feels like a real movie. It's, it's, it's paced really well. Like it, 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 it takes its time getting to the action at the end. So you really feel for the characters and it, and we'll get into this in a broader discussion later, but it's set in this awkward moment, sort of 
pre-apocalypse. Like it's like it's 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 like Mad Max kind of feels like a slow descent into the apocalypse over the course of the movies. And I like this one because there's still remnants of humanity here. There are still diners, so you can have a diner scene. You know what I mean? There's still there's there's enough stuff that you can grab that you don't just feel like you're in a wasteland the whole time. Um, and and the action is really good. This is like uh, there's 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 nothing extravagant about the action. It's 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 not it's not doing. I don't think of it as doing super stylized stuff. It just feels like really good no BS like uh, full throttle action that has very high stakes and is surrounded by all of these menacing characters and this just sense of just this world falling apart. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it does that wonderful thing that older movies do where it, it links the character drama to the intensity of the action. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. single action scene. So there's this really satisfying combination of drama and, and like thrill that's, that's fused into all the action in this movie. Um, and it does it from the first action scene with the, which, and, and also most of the action scenes are car chases, which are like yeah. real actual cars being driven fast. Uh, and it's extremely like you're really hooked into those cars as they accelerate so it's a it's a really fun ride of a movie when it comes to the action scenes and it's one strip of road i mean it's not a single road in the whole movie but it's all they're always on a long stretch of like desert highway road which could i mean that's not desert actually it's not okay well clarify that's another difference between this and and then the road warrior okay you're actually kind of in 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 new south wales kind of in the southeastern australia with road warrior they kind of go into the actual outback where (laughs) it is desert but yeah it's i mean it's so what yeah, what is this terrain that we're in? How, how would you how would you des- what would you describe this terrain as? Because my mind just wants to classify it as desert. Uh, I don't know. It's just what Australia looks like. But okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there I, were I, a lot. There were a lot of wilderness scenes. There, I mean, there was a lot. Kind of, yeah. oh, no, I'm saying it's it's. I mean, it's kind of getting. It's it's rural. It's like you're not quite in the bush. Like the bush is a little more foresty, but uh, okay. I, it's, it's just kind of rural Australia. Okay, and there are scenes where they're at Australia, I should say, to clarify. Okay, because there are scenes in the woods, there are scenes in like grasslands and things like that. Yeah, but my it, my memory yeah. of the road is kind of like it, I don't know. I just want to say desert highway when I think of that road. Uh, but I get, I guess it's maybe more akin to something like we would have in the Midwest, maybe is what you're saying, like that kind of. No, or, I no? moved from. Remember, I moved from Australia to the Midwest. Okay. The Midwest has so much rain; it is so green. <laughs> it's okay. Like, <laughs> that's it's so actually, more. The so would it be more like part of the country it most looks like is Northern California. I was going to say Northern that California actually looks a lot like southeastern Australia. Okay. So if you go like about a. You know, 45 minutes outside of San Francisco, it, it, that's what it looks like. Okay. I used to live in Southern California, so I can kind of yeah. imagine the, but more arid, a little more arid is what you're saying. You know, more med, maybe, maybe not quite. Yeah, it's arid, climate, but, but uh, yeah. You know, now that we bored people with uh, with our geography discussion, I, I, no, that was my fault. No, like that's actually really interesting to me because, like, <laughs> I, I've never been to Australia, you know. So this stuff is yeah. all like really revelatory to me. Although I've actually now I, I get homesick when I watch this movie because I'm just like, oh, even the bird sounds in the background. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Australia. Yeah, I, I I do have to admit this 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 these movies always pique my curiosity about Australia, but I feel like I don't really know. Like like you just saw where I was just calling it all desert. And Adam was able to clarify, like, I, I don't have a strong <laughs> handle on on, 
you know, Australia beyond what I've seen in the movies. It's sort of like yeah. how I think when people come to America and their only point of reference is New York films, which is yeah. that was the case with my wife. And she came here and she's like, why is it like not all Manhattan? You know, like there's just <laughs> yeah. this, this expectation. <laughs> yeah. California is another one. Uh, there's a lot of California movies where like they, they kind of treat or another one that I, I get a lot is Toronto because so many American movies are filmed there now because yeah. uh, of the tax breaks. So like a lot of people will come by and be like, well, it doesn't look like that at all. It's like California is not the default state of what America looks yeah. like. If you want a default state, I would go with if it's foresty Oregon and if not, probably Kansas because like a huge swathes of America are farmland that is just flat, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably put, I'd position my first one in the Northeast probably, but a similar idea, I think. The, yeah, California is an outlier because it's not like most other states. It's a, it's completely different. Um, so, so yeah, so um, uh, Adam, did you say what you thought of the movie yet before we move into the no. rest of the topic? <laughs> Tell us your opinion, my good Adam. Yeah, I, I think going with uh, Brendan's point, I think one of the key things in this movie is the the little title card at the beginning, a few years in the future, I think it is. And it's like, you know, the the small brained critical thing you say is, oh, they were wrong. The er this didn't happen in the early 80s. Yeah. But it's like this is always a few years in our future. It's yeah. like it would only. it's like I think I think when we all ran out of toilet paper during COVID just highlighted that. It just takes like a few bad yeah. weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, <laughs> everything that, that, breaks down. <laughs> that really did and inform a lot of like my thinking when I was watching this because going back and referencing yeah, that. We're, we're always a few years away with this if things go wrong, and it's uh, yeah, it's and that's what makes it. I mean, this movie is frightening in a way that none of the other Mad Max movies are. It's it's like I I remember this movie kind of scaring me as a kid, whereas. I mean, you know, like Road Warrior is an amazing action movie, but it's not it's not frightening. And whereas this, because it is so connected to actual normal life, it's like him having his family, you know, ha like you say, there's diners, there's just people going about their lives that are caught up in this. Whereas by Road Warrior, everyone is, you know, a post-apocalyptic character. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, it's, uh, but yeah, it's it's that's that's the big difference between this and the others. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it, having it serve as the umbilicus, like if you're going to do a grindhouse double feature, this one and the Road Warrior back to back oh, yeah. are almost the perfect two, right? Because you get the the very beginning of the apocalypse, and then you see what happens right after. Um, glorious. Uh, yeah, I think you're yeah. right. I, I think that idea of it being always just a few bad years away from everything falling completely apart that is pretty chilling. I like that observation. Yeah, because. Like I said, you have like all these remnants, like like you have the police, you have the diners, you have all these things, but they're um, they're husks, you know, they're, like people are clinging to them. Yeah. Um, and and there's also there's this sense of chaos that I think is, again, familiar if you've ever been in such like like whether it was COVID or whether you've been in like an area where there just hasn't been as much enforcement of the law or anything like that. It's this sense of like the humans around you are the most dangerous thing. It's like it, it, it actually tackles the themes of zombie movies better than most zombie movies do, because yeah. that's the threat here. The threat is just and again, it's a little unclear. The biker gang does seem to have there's almost a religious bent to them. So I almost want to give them a little more credit than this. But the threat is these people that just are unfettered by 
the there's nothing in society to hold them back anymore whether it's because there's not enough people enforcing the law anymore or they just don't have enough to live for because everything is just tumbling down and so there's you know that i would imagine uh, you know you have like that one biker in the movie who's a little bit conflicted even though he does a, a lot of horrible stuff um and he's actually the last one to die if i remember but yeah. you can imagine a character like that if he had like one or two familial connections he might not have gone down this road. So it's just like all of the things in society that would yeah. contain this stuff doesn't seem to be there. But there's enough there that it's horrifying because Mel Gibson, Mad Max, he's trying to live a normal life, you know, that, that's very relatable it's, and, you know, familiar. Well, um, I think I think you're bringing that character up is notable from the standpoint that. The mo the character that suffers the most horrible revenge from Max is the character who least deserved it, and Max yeah. doesn't know that. But it's just it's yeah. it kind of goes that thing of him saying, you know, he talks to his boss and is like, "I want to retire because I'm like a yeah. few weeks away from becoming them," and it's like <laughs> that's that's basically where we go. That's what's so good about this movie too is the movie is about him becoming bad Max. So not bad Max, Mad Max, and so Max. you're you're. He he declares that early on in the film, and then at the end, that's what we see happen. And so you understand, okay, he has he's become crazy. Um, yeah. I think I think the Road Warrior is still able to kind of get into that territory, but mm -hmm. by by Thunderdome, they can't really do that. They they it, it can't be as dark as it is. This movie is like the darkest movie from beginning to end because of the things Adam was saying. It's so horrifying. It's scary, but also yeah the that he turns into this to kind of a monster by the end. Um, I think, I think an inter as we've been kind of watching a lot of revenge movies lately, I think mm -hmm. an interesting thing about this is, you know, this is, is often considered a revenge movie, Yeah, but his wife and kid don't die till near the end. Like, you know, the whole death yeah. thing is like, Oh, you, you kill off the wife and the child and the family, whatever at the beginning of the movie and the rest of the movie is about revenge. It's like, you know, we're all kind of we've known this movie. It's been in our culture. If, even if you know about the sequels, it's inevitable. You know, his wife and kid are going to die. If you watch yeah. this movie before any of the sequels exist, it's like the fact, you know, she has the scene where she, you know, gets away from him. It's like you don't know how it's going to end. Yeah. And it's like it, it it it's like Max loses. He totally, you know, the yeah. movie ends with him driving off <laughs> into the horizon. It's like he's got nothing. He lost yeah everything he lost his best friend he lost his sanity yeah. he lost his kid it's like this is you know it's not a it's not a revenge movie where it's like yeah you're watching him get his revenge and blah 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 yeah. it's like it's it's just a tragedy well to go on that i, you know, is, I mean yeah. and there there are some revenge movies that do that but but most do do the thing where they start at the beginning the the, the yeah. person dies at the beginning and the whole movie is revenge and that yeah. one little moment has to fuel this whole film and I think in this movie, what's so interesting about how they save it for the end is, number one, you you care for her more because she's yes. a character that's been in the movie. But number two, yes. it puts you in Max's shoes because you are way more on board with what he's doing than if mm -hmm. you're just kind of like, OK, the family died. Now he's on. You know, you yeah. don't, you're not as emotional. <laughs> now you've got an excuse yeah. to get to the action. Yeah. Hey, All right. So Instead of it being an excuse, it's that that family is your family. You know, they're just as real yeah. to you. Same thing with uh, was it Goose? Is his name? Yeah, he's yeah. a great who, character. Who doesn't even die. He just gets burned and mutilated and put in a hospital bed for the remainder which, of his days. Which is almost uh, worse for that character. Yeah. He's oh, so full of horrible. life they, and they zest. Do that. And 
Yeah, but they do that to the kid and the wife, too, because they don't they have them get run over by the bikes, but then they don't have them die until a later scene. Like the next scene, his wife is dying in her hospital bed from multiple organ failure. And the nurse mentions that they lost the kid, which means that kid got to go on the ambulance ride back and get operated on. So they pull out those deaths in this like sickening, painful way. Um, And again, it gets you on board with the brutality of their revenge. That's so good. <laughs> well, so it, yeah, good. well, it's similar similar to Death Wish in a way by having the daughter be around for the whole movie. She doesn't yeah. die. She just becomes this horrible, empty shell over the course of the movie. So yeah. it's this ongoing trauma. And I feel like it makes you more, you're more of a guilty party by the end of the movie because you're like, you know, you really are. Like a lot yeah. of times in revenge movies, it's a conceit. It's like, okay, it's a revenge movie. I'm here. Like you said, let's get to the action. You're not... You're not fully on board with the revenge. You're not like, oh yeah, I would do that in real life. But you watch this movie and you feel you feel what he feels. I think in those final scenes, it's like you you really do want him to do those things. Um, yeah. And so it's it's an effective movie. Uh, it's an effective revenge film. Um, it's also I, I think you know we were saying before the thing. This is like Mel Gibson's first movie. We were is that correct? We were. Yes, uh, it is his and, first movie. Yeah. And it's funny how this movie, I think, became like the blueprint for his career, basically. Like, that's like, the, like that, that, like. Lethal, mad, lethal and, weapon, lethal weapon definitely plays off the same idea yeah. of him being this unhinged somewhat thing. I mean, it's that, like, that even, definitely Even Braveheart follows this plot structure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Pretty much true. all of his movies, yeah. most of his movies do. Like, he, like, maybe the man with no face doesn't, but I'm sure you but could I still. Don't know, I mean, yeah. The movie that gave him big critical acclaim was Gallipoli, which was, I think, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So that's that's a very. But he different... couldn't. He couldn't really. Yeah, you can't really pull that off in a Gallipoli. Gallipoli's telling a. Uh, a oh no! It's a totally, well, that's my yeah. point, though. It's a. It's a, He. You know, I'm saying. He, you know, he does have other templates. No, this, no. This, I, this is this is a this is a huge huge mark on his but career. it's sort of like we had actors back then, like Jack Nicholson, where you would go to see a movie because. Jack Nicholson is being Jack Nicholson. And I think with Mel Gibson, yeah. his thing was like sort of like crazy and angry, like this like combination of those two yeah. things, you know, bent on revenge. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. What what do we want to say about whether this fits post-apocalypse? Like how should this be categorized as a movie? Because it is. This is apocalypse, question. not post-apocalypse. We're watching the apocalypse happen. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, it's, I I agree with you because like it's clearly it's it's not I I don't know a lot about how Australians enforce law but I doubt it's with a gang of leather wearing uh like hot rod riding cops you know so I imagine not that's quite that's, like uh, that right yeah. I, it's probably close to that but I think this is a more extreme version of it and same thing with like whenever we get introduced to the uh, the forbidden zones those aren't explained ever they're just yeah. there's a point yeah. where Again, and I know that there's probably signage that, you know, is posted right before you get to the outback part of the outback where it's like, hey, uh, yeah, hey, mate. <laughs> oh, it's true. People, no, a, a classic thing for Americans to do when they're tourists is to drive into the outback and die because there's no gas stations out there. Oh, hoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to fight warlords for guzzling out there. Oh, they're not even warlords. In reality, it's not even the warlords that'll kill you. It's just the nothing will kill you. It's it's. <laughs> All right. So, but again, I imagine there's signage, but I doubt it says forbidden zone. 
Uh, no, it's ominous not. letters. Like th there's a lot that's not explained in this movie, but it tells you like it kind of drip feeds subconsciously to you that something's going wrong in this world right now. I love that. Yeah. And also whenever the and the and the biker toe cutters gang arrives very early in the movie. Right. Like they're right after the death of the Knight Rider. They're on the scene to avenge him. But when they come in. Like Brendan was saying, there's something religious about them, but it's it's beyond even that. It's like they bring in the true new world order with them. Like they're be they're already bringing the laws of the future movies with them. They know yeah. how things operate out there in the in the wider world, but like the, that's kind of just slowly eating away at the edges of this society. And you're not just seeing the the fall of Max in this movie. You're really kind of seeing the fall of the entire police department, of the justice system collapsing. Like the ability to have a normal life and families falling apart. Yeah. The, the arrival of this gang is those guys are the harbingers of the apocalypse, right? Those are the horsemen. And yeah. that Max yeah. like, driving off does, at the end is just him realizing. Am, that. I, am I mistaken or doesn't doesn't Toe Cutter, isn't he reading from a Bible at one point or am I, am I remembering that? I just don't know. that in. When he's in the back of the truck, for some reason, I have this image of him holding a Bible, but he, was he might have just he was reading. I might have been, been holding the coffin. I might have just put the Bible in with my memory. Yeah, but was, the yeah, is, I think that scene feels very much like, you know, what you're saying, this sort of like, you know, four horsemen of the apocalypse type thing. Um, but as far as, as far as it being an ongoing apocalypse, I think that couple that, that that's kind of sleeping in the car that, you know, that, that, that have a horrible fate in this movie. I think, <laughs> I think that's interesting from the standpoint that this town isn't ready for these people. It's like, they don't understand. Yeah. You get the hell out of here. It's like, they're like, oh, what's going on? There's something interesting going on. Let's yeah. watch. And it's not till it's way too late, they realize. It's like, they, the people in this town are just not prepared for this gang to roll in. Yeah. It's like, nothing like this has ever happened to them before. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's that's that's part of that part of part of the the horror of this movie it's like you know the, the people the the you know the 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 people who, have, who are trying to get away with their oil and road warrior it's like they already know the world they're living in it's it's, it's a whole different situation yeah i know that, that that's a very also i think another interesting point is that joel had mentioned the police wearing like being like leather clad and not quite like normal policemen i think that's also interesting because it does foreshadow them becoming like the bikers in the end. Yeah, you know I mean? well, it's it's a process that's begun, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, even um, the police chief has got this kind of religious energy to him, you know? We've got to bring oh, back yeah. the heroes and all that. Like, the guy's he's got, got like a larger a, than life. He's a cult of personality, that guy. He's like, he definitely yeah. is like, like, he's just running a police station, but you would think he's like the head of a city the way he acts. Um, yeah, and he yeah. he doesn't have a lot of patience through the bureaucracy. The the guys he has are all pretty extreme personalities. You know, I love Goose, but like Goose is like a guy that could have thrived in the wastelands under different circumstances. You know, um, yeah. So yeah, even he, even like the law enforcement has got to this point where they're kind of beginning to obey the laws of the wasteland. Uh, it's interesting to to be in this this strange part of the the process of the world falling apart. Well, we have the the one scene where the bureaucrat shows up, you know, the one who gave him the money to buy the V8, you know, to bribe <laughs> Max to stay on. And it's like he, he, you know, it's like basically it's effectively a scene where it's saying, you know, here's here's the federal government. Here's their agent. He's basically saying, all right, this, you're on your own. Pretty much. It's like we don't have anything more to give you. Bye. And it's yeah, it's it's uh, so, yeah, exactly. He's becoming kind of this. uh 
for this figure because yeah it, it, it yeah it is i don't know I, I'll, I'll i'm rambling no i get what you're Go saying ahead. and also the police station itself is just so hollowed out and yeah, like, yeah. Know, like, not, like everything's in well, disarray and, right, and they go into that, that parking garage and it's just empty 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 yeah. and then you finally get to the v8 that was used with the very last of the government's money to bribe their best cop to stay on the force yeah that, says it, it, that speaks loud yeah it's how many people have quit it's exactly it's like yeah. these are the last guys still willing to show up now i know adam you wanted to talk about the acting because you said that that was particularly yeah i you. think I, yeah, I, I do think, uh, you know, it's like I, my mother was an actress in the theater in, in, in the 80s and in the 70s and so on. And it's like, I think one reason, one thing about this movie is the acting is fantastic. Usually when you have these kind of, you know, the, the, a movie on this budget level yeah. in America, it's like you may have like a, a A-list actor in there or a B-list, at least a B-list actor. And it's a really good actor, but you often have this kind of patchy patchwork of a cast. But it's like because... Australia had such a small film industry, but it had a really strong theater scene in the big cities. I feel yeah. like they were just able to get all the best actors, even for a movie like this. Yeah. You can just get all the all the best actors in the theater scene as opposed to having to compete with it. There's you know, there wasn't a big Hollywood thing making hundreds of movies a year that you had to compete with. So I feel like that's a reason you have a, a higher level of acting in this movie for this kind of thing. Yeah. And it never, there's never really anybody who in a movie like this, I would normally expect one or two actors at least to kind of stand out as not particularly good. Like if this were made in the U S yeah. it probably would have been a trauma film or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It would have been, it would have been really done a on a cheap kind of grade. But... Huh? It would have been a different kind of grade if it were trauma, but it's it's notable that it isn't, you know, in, in what is effectively a grindhouse movie. You'd think it would be a lot of corny acting, but no, these guys are really professional. <laughs> it's actually well, that, remarkably good acting. No, and I think that that does hold it together because the thing that makes the movie work is the drama that's going on as the apocalypse is happening. And it wouldn't it wouldn't land the same if you had bad actors there. If this yeah. was like The Exterminator or something, do you know what I mean? Like some movie like that with that kind of acting. It just yeah. it just wouldn't you you couldn't have That's, wooden, you know, wooden actors and like, you know, people that were chosen because of their breast size and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, just, well, it wouldn't work. To put a number on it, there there were five Australian movies that year. That's what they had to compete with. Okay. To get five movies. Okay. So you know, it's there's four other movies that are they're competing with for cast, and probably there are some of the same people in in, in a number of them actually. Yeah, because uh because even characters like Toka, like I forget the guy who plays him. What's his name? Um, oh, let's see. I don't know. I'll let somebody else find that. But to, but he he could really be corny. He kind of reminded me of the um, and I know it came after this, but the the bike are in the ninth configuration. Um, yeah, you know he's got that kind of a vibe. But he's he's um, I don't know. He's, he 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 walks the line as a villain because he's borderline ridiculous, but he works. And I think yeah. I, I think I think that actor is the guy who portrays him. Who is it? Hugh Keysburn looks like the name. Probably what? saying that wrong. Okay. And and there's also yeah. a lot of drama happening within the bikers that's really important because you really do have to believe there's this whole like the best scene to me in the movie is the opening the opening uh, chase with Knight Rider. I, I that's like one of my favorite car chase scenes ever. 
And what I like about it is the intensity of the Knight Rider. I was just screaming, he's the Knight Rider. And it's just, and you don't, you don't know where this like ecstasy is coming from. And it's, it's like, yeah. it makes, it makes it feel like anything could happen because he's, he's crazed and you don't, and, and you, you, you think like every policeman in the scene is going to die because this guy is just so mad and so intense. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but what, and we don't really know much about him, but we know that his death has a profound impact on the biker gang and their whole purpose for what they do is to revenge for him. Like it's, it's, it's a revenge movie. It's, it's, it's actually interesting because it's really a revenge movie about revenge begetting revenge where the bikers initially are getting revenge yeah. against the cops. And then the cop ends up getting revenge against them. Um, but that I, there's like a scene and I can't remember the character's name, but again, the one who's like more conflicted, who is the guy that dies in the end, uh, where he, where he says, we remember the night rider. And it's like, it just has this, resonance over the film and i think that the acting of the bikers is and again in a lot of movies they would just say hey, it's a biker just you know get anybody big yeah, it'd it be biker. a goon but these yeah. guys they're way more than that and i think that's one of the reasons this film works is because these guys aren't just a bunch of thugs they would be in a different world but here their most insane ramblings give them this like clockwork orange energy the whole time yeah know? yeah that's what it is it's a yeah, clockwork well, orange energy that's what yeah, and there's there is a good, you know, there's there's interesting things happening within the gang, like the way Bubba doesn't like uh, I don't I remember the character who dies, the last character to die, the one who's conflicted a bit. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. kind of a whole conflict with them. And Bubba was yeah, an interesting I mean, character too because he's very memorable, even though he doesn't. It's he like the the leader has all these great lines like, oh, I, can't, I, I hate guns or whatever, whatever that line was where he kind of yeah. you know, prances about and I think he's feigning fear. But yeah. Bubba's way more level. And I don't know, he, he's the one that I'm afraid of in the movie more than anybody else. Yeah, that guy looks like a stone cold son of a yeah. bitch the whole time, you know? Yeah. No, I'm sorry, go on, Adam. I think I interrupted your... Uh... What you were saying? No, you did. We're, we're all just remembering, remembering Bubba and his his like his psycho well, stare. It, it just works because you you have Bubba kind of gives credence to the idea that Toe Cutter is like this very influential leader for the bikers. I mean, it, 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 Bubba is somebody I would take seriously, and because he's taking Toe Cutter seriously, I take Toe Cutter more seriously. Yeah, and, you need Bubba. Well, Bubba Bubba's like the practical guy. It's like Toe Cutter's the big charismatic figure who mm -hmm. holds the gang together. And, and uh, but, you know, it's like Bubba, Bubba's really angry when the guy wastes shotgun, a shotgun, you know, blast yeah. on, a, on, on the mannequin there. It's like you wasted a bullet, you know, not a bullet, a, a shell. But uh, it's so, yeah, I, I don't know. It just it just gives a reality to the gang there. It does. And also the fact that he's in his mind cataloging how much ammo they're using is also yeah. drip feeding you more info about the apocalypse. Like that yeah. stuff is more valuable than gold. So, yeah. oh man, there's also a scene where they start stealing gas uh, from a tanker. Yeah. Truck. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's just so many little things where you're like, what world are these guys from? They There's a petrol station down the road. Why wouldn't they just it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not the real world anymore. That petrol station is going to dry up. This tanker is probably the last tanker. Um, there's again, I just I love that drip feed. It makes it so real when I read the later movies. But um, but yeah. So uh, what about um, 
What about the the family situation with um, Mad Max and his wife too? Because I don't think we've really gone into that too deeply. We meant we mentioned it when we talked about revenge, but I thought that that was one of the more interesting things because the film kind of dips into stuff that wouldn't normally be in apocalypse or action movie. Do you know what I mean? Just kind of like going. Yeah. To, I, I don't know. I, I, farm's the wrong word, but it's kind of he kind of goes to like a cabin in the woods, or I don't know what this place is, or a homestead, um, and there's just this whole sequence. That that ultimately leads up to the revenge, but it's it's um yeah that, I don't know. that that Go sequence ahead. is really beautiful too. One of the things that struck me about that whole sequence was it keeps this this big panoramic shot of this of the like what this this little homestead is overlooking, and it's beautiful, lush, green, rolling hills and forest, mm-hmm. and this like this calm blue sky, and it's just it's so picturesque and beautiful, yeah. and like you contrast that which is like the empty, arid, white. Yeah, like dead world of the next movie, and you're just like, oh my god, it really just vanished, didn't it? Um, yeah, this is the last well, gasp of this entire world. Uh, well, it's, the, it's pretty hard to watch the second movie after seeing this one. The uh, old woman too, just uh, it's that the that whole thing is going to Valhalla, where the dead shall live forever. I love. Her. Yeah, she's so believable as an old woman who just yeah. lives out in the wilderness, and you know she's she's got her her homestead, as Brandon put it, and uh, it's one hundred percent life yeah, material. She knows how to take care of this. Yeah, well, the, grandma with a shotgun, best character in the movie. I I adore her. Yeah, I, I like too how they don't um. They, even Max and his wife, they still haven't quite accepted how dangerous. Like they, 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 they're on the farm. I don't know it's not a farm, but the homestead, whatever it is. And she makes the same mistake she made before, where she just goes off on her own, and, and Max stays behind. You know, and you know, gives the, the 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 bikers have an opportunity then to you know attack. They kill the dog. They don't. They just chase her through the woods. But you know, she made that same mistake prior when she went to get an ice cream with the kid, right? Yeah, to an extent, though, I mean, on the one hand, it's a mistake. But that's because we're watching an edited movie, you know, or yeah. they're on this weeks long journey, just living their lives. Yeah. It's like, I mean, what what are they going to do? Is she just going to, like, stay within five no. feet of Max for the rest of her life? Yeah. It's, no, it's, but I it feel shows... like because they, they, they don't know the gang's tracking them. You know, they, there's no reason that they'd have to believe necessarily that based on that one incident that, uh. No, but do you remember know. they found that the hand was stuck to the to the to the car. Uh, well, the I know, end, I know, so. but that 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 hand was stuck just from when she fled. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, and like it was over a week later that they attack again with the whole uh, he wants his hand back thing. So, but I, I yeah, do think I, it's still significant because the film shows us her do that once. Yeah, it shows her do it again, and I feel like I'm not saying it's a mistake. Like, oh, she shouldn't have done it. But what I'm saying is I think they still have a sense of security that isn't realistic yeah. anymore. Kind of like you were saying for yeah. the people in that town. Um, where, yeah, that, you know, that's this... a good observation, I think. The, the, like, yeah, they're they're living in world A, but that world is actually gone. Yeah, like you don't they're go actually, to the beach yeah, anymore I, alone is what I'm saying. In yeah, the, I'm, not uh, so much, I'm not so much negating your point. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I agree with your point entirely. Yeah, it's not. it wasn't a stupid thing to do, but it was a... <laughs> Yeah, I, I phrased it wrong. Framing it as a mistake was the problem. I wasn't trying to say it was a mistake. I was just trying to say it's like the world is more dangerous and that's not they're not prepared to to change their behavior yet because they don't realize that. So, yeah, it's it's it's, 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 it's not like the, the horror movie thing where it's like, why are you going in the basement? That's so yeah. stupid. It's it's right now. Yeah. Why, why are you living your normal, healthy life you've always lived is a much more <laughs> easy question to answer. It's like, well, buddy, I go to the grocery store sometimes. 
But that gets into the slow slide into the apocalypse. It yeah. makes this yeah. effective. It feels it feels like a world where you could just go and get an ice cream. But in the back of your mind as a viewer, you're like, wait, no, this is too dangerous. You can't just go to the store and get an ice cream. There could be a biker gang there. You know, it's just yeah. it's, that, it's like it's that kind of thing. Um, we, we are privileged with the perspective, especially having seen all the movies that we know that this their world is a soap bubble and it's right about to pop, right? Mm. We probably see the pop in this movie and it's so subtle and quiet that we don't even really see it, see it. We don't have the eyes to see whenever society turns yeah. into whatever it becomes after the apocalypse. Yeah. It's, it's, there's this line that's crossed somewhere in the movie and I don't even know if I could point to a scene where it's like, oh yeah, this is the apocalypse scene. I don't think yeah. you're supposed to. I think it's supposed to be so subtle that by the end of it, you know you're in a different world, but you're not sure where you transitioned. Yeah, I, think, I don't think. I, well, I think it's interesting because we're in a rural location. Like, I'm yes. sure, like in the Sydney of this movie, which is a city of millions of people, I'm sure you would. It would be a lot more apparent that like horrible oh. things would happen. Like, probably it was a complete disaster in the, in the urban areas. Whereas well, when you yeah, see Sydney in the countryside, in the, in the third it's, movie, it's it's a wasteland. Like, it's a bombed out shell. So yeah, well, when, no, yeah what movie yeah, do they drop the bomb in? Because yeah. if this one is all the, this apocalypse in the first movie is only due to like a gas shortage and I think some kind of climate thing going on. And yeah. then, oh yeah, and so it's probably a lot dropped. more chaotic though in urban areas. Yeah. But it's oh yeah, I know. Kind of setting it in the country where you're kind of you're. They're out on the fringes. This is just starting to hit. Your focus point, I think, made made the made, you know uh, is relevant here. Where it, all it takes is a gas. The thing I like about this movie is all it takes is a gas short. You don't need an atomic war. You don't need a meteorite. You you you, you literally <laughs> can just have. We're short on gas for like you know a few months, and things yep, start yep. to slide. Um, that's yeah. a much, it just feels like a much more realistic take on, on, uh, on what props up civilization. And, um, and we've all lived through it now. This is, this is the post COVID world. We've seen what happens when gas prices suddenly increase for yeah. a little while. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of a sudden th things in the cities get really, really hot and heavy. And then it filters out to the more rural areas. I usually live in a more rural area. And so I've, I've lived this movie a couple of times in the last few years. It's yeah. uh, it's eerie and prophetic in a, in a way that uh, I never realized I, having dealt with it. I will say around here, there's definitely a lot. I don't know if it's related to COVID, but there's a lot more recklessness on the roads uh, in the past <laughs> few years than there has been. So it's this movie often comes to mind for that reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, that's but the I, term they use in this movie that's an Australian term is hoon. You know, it's like Max. Refer, that's that a hoon is someone that's just a dangerously reckless driver. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, we have yeah, food laws what we have. in Australia. Yeah, we, we have a lot of <laughs> drivers. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah I, I think I think that the um, that that's the whole point, Joel, is that they don't tell you exactly what's going on, and they don't tell you what like like all you you're not really sure is like how you don't know how much decay is going on in society. You don't know if this biker gang is just an isolated problem at first, or if this is like we see them as an isolated problem at yeah. first. It's one guy and then a small gang. You don't think about them like oh no. These guys have it right. You think about it like, oh, these bad guys have showed up and the good guys will deal with them. But as you watch the movie, it becomes apparent that no, 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 no. These aren't bad guys. This is the new man. Well, they're bad <laughs> this, guys. This is society. They're, they're bad guys, but that's the that's what uh, arises in those kind of, you know, you're going back to sort of like when civilization collapses, the biggest and the strongest can do whatever yeah, people they want. And that's the thing. Like you could you could see Toe Cutter being a new Genghis Khan. You know, it, it, 
when you when you think about it and when you compare this one to the other movies that come in and you see really evil characters like uh, anti entity comes into mind who's a bad guy but then you also see that well she's also kind of in charge of a thriving society um it's the same thing with the morton joe in the fourth movie where it's like this guy is evil to the core but also he does have a real society can guys like max offer that to anyone not really uh so it, it becomes more convoluted whenever you're like, okay, the most evil people wind up rising to the top of burgeoning societies in the new world. So like I could see yeah. Toe Cutter and literally they use the same actor for Toe Cutter for Morton Joe. They want to drive that home to you as a viewer. Um, this it's, it's a fun, the whole watching the whole thing is really cool. Uh, but yeah, just, just focusing on this movie. Uh, I think we go at one point from seeing them as isolated as a thing that is wrong with society to, Oh no, the society we had started with the, all the assumptions we had carried into this yeah. movie, those were the wrong ones. Oops. Well, yeah. And it's because we see every time they go to a place you normally associate with, this is a refuge. This is a place where you can go to get <laughs> gas. This is a place you can go to get food. There's a place you can go to recuperate after a traumatizing yeah. experience. Every time they just keep encroaching on that, on that, that refuge that you think is safe. And so I, I think that that's definitely what happens by the end of the film. You just have the sense of there's the whole world is just like this. At least if you're max, that's how you're going to feel by the end. Maybe, maybe 20 miles to the North. Maybe it isn't that way. I don't know, but uh, yeah, he's I, I lost would... all his connections to society by the end. Yeah. He, like I said, it's like, he just, you know, yeah. there, there's nowhere, there's nowhere for him to go at the end. He's not going home. It's there's not, there's no home anymore. That, that's a good point, too. He loses all his connections. Kind of everyone does when you think about it. You know, I think that that's the sort of personal apocalypse these movies always drive home. And in a future installment, I want to say it's the fourth, there could be any of them, uh, they say that each of us was, like, destroyed in our own way as the apocalypse came by. I think that's something that these movies want to focus your attention on. It's like, look, the apocalypse is also internal. You know, whenever we lose our connection to the things that civilize us, we become animals, no matter what. It's just the that's just the process. And the, there's something th that allows us in every one of these movies, no matter how wacky they get. And make no mistake, more and more cartoonish elements enter in with every sequel. Like, I love that. But that, that is inevitably what happens. But it always well, this... manages to ground you in the human drama of it because of that philosophy. So I really like mm -hmm. that. The cartoonish elements in this one are alarming more than anything else, though. That's what I yeah. like about them in this one. In the later ones, like by the time you get to Lord Humongous, it's a little <laughs> bit, you know, it's it's a, it, it, I, I like Lord Humongous, but Lord Humongous doesn't terrify me the way the Knight Rider does or the way Toe Cutter does with all yeah, of their yeah. strange antics that just don't make any sense. It's like, you know. I, yeah. Now you brought the Knight Rider again. I, I want to talk about him a bit because I yeah. love I love I love the switch that flips where he's kind of he's in this state of pure joy and insane <laughs> craziness and just having a great time. And it, it is like just such a thing you see with people with mental illness or mm -hmm. they're super high on drugs or something where the switch flips. They instantly just boom. They're just <laughs> it's like he just goes from that to being utterly utterly terrified of yeah. Max and scared and crying. And that's, it, it, it's such a great up. performance and it's so believable. It's just the kind of way people like that can act. It's yeah. fantastic. No, that's great. That, that guy really paves the way for the whole movie for me. That, that scene is just like, it burned in my mind. And, and yeah. it, it, uh, uh, but I, I love that. Like he just, it, it's like, he just has this revelation that he's fucked and yeah. And, and it's, it, and it just collapses everything. 
And I, I, I do kind of wonder what's going on with them. I, I, I've always assumed it was drugs. It kind of looks like a drug. Yeah, that's how I knew my first guess. Yeah. And he's just but, super, but, super high. <laughs> but also, this is sort of like a dystopian time when maybe drugs aren't widely available. So I don't know. Maybe he's just mad. Yeah. But, I, uh, yeah. But but he's an interesting character. But also, the, the, there's, just, there's, there's a religiosity to it that I just find very intriguing. Because I, I, yeah. I'm fairly convinced that this biker gang has some, there's something, not like they're, devout Muslims or Christians or something, but that there's like a, a religious impulse that's driving them somehow. They're a cult. They're, yeah. They are. They're, they're a cult. And Knight Rider is one of those characters, and you see these, this archetype come up a lot in this series, where what is it they said in Wag the Dog? When people see the oasis on the horizon and they get to it and it's just the sand, they drink the sand. He's one of those kind of characters. There's no messiah. There's no prophets in the post-apocalypse. It's all sand. But and then you can see that when he breaks down and starts weeping, all all of the false all the false messiahs are always just making their followers drink the sand. Literally, in the case of Immortan Joe, um, but that's one of the things that keeps happening in this in this series of movies is that they have these. You do have a religious urge, a need to unite under someone that's yeah. kind of bigger than a person, uh, and they're both lampooning our actual tendency to do that as human beings, and also kind of like drawing a bead on it in their actual world. Like, okay you need a certain kind of insane Napoleon personality to, to bring people together in a way that pushes them beyond that. I need to survive kind of instinct. Um, yeah. So yeah, again, you, so you're only sort of seeing the beginnings of that in this film, but it's still pretty apparent. Uh, the, the, they, the way they talk about the night Rider, you know, think of him when you look at the night sky, yeah. that doesn't mean anything, right? That's just gibberish. <laughs> and yet they're all yeah. like, willing to murder people. And, but that's and what I mean. He's messianic, though. You, well, you use the word messiah, and I think he is messianic to them. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I think Charles Manson is definitely an influence on this, yeah. too. I, it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely a very Manson family kind of vibe to the, the whole situation. But uh, but so, yeah, I, I and, and again, I, I do like the fact, like you guys are saying that, like, you know, he he sort of thinks he's this chosen one. And then it just all sort of collapse. And, you know, that as a viewer, but the bikers don't know that. And they still are holding him up as this. Well, it's, you know, going back to that one character whose name we don't know, yeah. but he's the guy that dies. Let me see if last. I can find it. But uh, I think it's I think it's, um, it's Johnny the boy. The way, the way he's Johnny taking under his wing. It's like that guy doesn't doesn't even particularly want to be a killer or anything but he's it's like he's like he's he singled him out because he knows he is kind of weak and soft it's like i'm going to show you how to be you know it, it, yeah. that, that i feel you know he's, he's he's he is basically being a mentor to that and it's well yeah it's fascinating they're 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 harsh with each other but they do treat each other much better than they treat the rest of the world so they obviously have some sense of order yeah. within their own organization and and he did seem to have like a fatherly disposition towards that character i think he also enjoyed the fact that he is corrupting this person yes you know? exactly uh, exactly know. it's like he's a fatherly figure but he's a fatherly figure that wants to wants to corrupt that, and twist this person because that scene where they kill where they, they don't kill goose but where they burn him you know, the, he's trying to get him to light yeah. him on fire. He's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. You know, it's very, yeah. it's a very interesting scene. And it's also interesting because that's what happens to him at the end. And like yeah. you said, he, 
in a way, he almost doesn't deserve it because he—I don't even think he really threw the match, did he? Did no, he, he didn't. Just kind of yeah, he doesn't throw it. Yeah. No, it's it's so that's that's the thing. It's like it 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 plays if you're not paying attention. Like, yeah, that guy got what he wanted. Yeah. But if you take a moment to think about it, you're like, oh, this scene is really fucking dark. Yeah. <laughs> and also the way that Mel Gibson does that scene where he is, um, it's he almost doesn't even care about the outcome, which makes it even more cruel. Like the yeah. the the way that he's like, if you're lucky, you can hack through your foot. And yeah, but he doesn't stick around to find out what he just did. He see it blow up in the background. We don't know if he hacked his foot off or what. Well, and he, let's face it if you hacked your foot out in the middle off in the middle of the wilderness within a few feet of a car that's about to explode and you're bleeding out of your I mean, in real life, yeah, you'd like, probably die. But, but, like, but movie logic that, that almost just makes it if he did hack his foot off, he only prolonged his death at best. Well, so, but I feel like in a movie, you can survive that. And I think that I think that's that, uh, true. Yeah. It's true. Um, wasn't also, I mean, he doesn't even stick around to see if he didn't like, escape. Do you know what I mean? He just he just drives no. off. So it's, uh, but yeah, that that scene, that scene, those two scenes together, I think very, work very well. That uh, it 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 really gives it a dark cast by the end of the film. Um, yeah. And also, I like I like that, like when I was a kid and I would see this movie on the on the on the shelf in the video stores, Mad Max. I always assumed that it was mad like crazy. But I wasn't. But there is like a double meaning to the word "mad." So I like I, I like that as well. That there's sort of this, you know, this he, he's sort of a he's 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 this character who's lost connection with reality by the end. I think, but he's also this figure of revenge. And so those you know those those two things sort of seem to be uh, carried by the the double meaning of the term "mad" in the title. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Any anything else we want to get into on the? We've got almost like fifty minutes. About this. Yeah, I, I could probably talk about this movie until the heat death the universe. It's so good. Yeah, uh, I mean, oh, go ahead, Joel. I just, I think we covered the bait, oh. the big parts. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm reasonably satisfied with this. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just to give my my final because this movie's always been big for me because I was I was seven and I was living in Australia when this came out. And this was probably only like the yeah. second the second Australian movie that actually got big international attention. So it's like it's always even even though I was way too young to really uh, know anything about this movie, it's always loomed very large for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I would. I think I saw. I can't remember if I saw the Road Warrior or um, when did. Uh, um uh the the uh, Thunderdome come out, Mad Max Beyond a Thunderdome. Uh mid eighties. I'd say eighty four, eighty five maybe 84. would be my so guess. Six, wasn't it? If it was eighty six, it could be eighty six. Eighty six would be the la latest that came out. Let me take if, a look. I think I saw the Road Warrior in eighty five. And so I 85, it is 85. Thunderdome's okay. 85. Yeah, I remember who I saw it with, and I was like, I know, and I, I remember seeing yeah, it. So, so, yeah, 85. But I saw I, I saw either the Road Warrior or Thunderdome first, but I remember seeing the Road Warrior at my cousin Justin's house. And then I probably saw, I think I saw Thunderdome at my friend Steve's house as a kid. And I probably didn't see Mad Max, the first one, until high school, I'm guessing. So I probably didn't see it till the uh -huh. 90s. I could be wrong. Um, but I do remember seeing it in the video store. And the funny thing is, I remember knowing the la the second two movies and then always yeah. seeing Mad Max on the shelf and always being curious because it looks so different. And my mind trying to connect, you know, what I mean, you sort of just <laughs> naturally try to build a narrative between those two things. Um, yeah. and, and when I went and actually saw it, I just remember feeling like it was such a um, to, to me, it was such a better movie than the second two that yeah. I was surprised because I. 
I I assume that this and, and a lot of people do like the second one best. So I think that that's you know, it's fair uh, to like the yeah. second one. I mean, the yeah. second is one of the best action movies ever made. It's yeah. just this is this this isn't a straight action movie in the way the second one is. It's a different kind of movie. That's what's good about the first three is they're all different kinds of movies. I mm. you know I because I'm with you. I like Beyond. It's not Beyond mm. Thunderdome is the weakest of the trilogy, yeah. but I like Beyond Thunderdome. It's yeah. it's a good movie. I, yeah, I enjoy I, it. I a fantastic film they're all fantastic films that's yeah Thunderdome is where i, I, I learned I about prove, i will prove fury road to you uh adam i i promise i, I, I do want to watch it again and okay. give it another chance because uh yeah I, I so we will get to that one yeah if you if you remove the orange and blue you can see the beauty of the movie but <laughs> i will you know, i will watch the, the black and white version yes yeah i actually have a colorized version but i'm going to turn the color on my television screen all the way down so it's black excellent. and white so excellent. <laughs> but yeah no i thunderdome i i remember enjoying and i also remember it was my introduction to things like radiation and all that he has like the little uh, radiation detector i remember my friend steve was explaining to me like after a nuclear war this is what you know like that so it was i I, it was monumental to me as a kid just in terms of understanding nuclear war and things like that but uh but i uh which now sounds stupid but it was still the cold war (laughs) so you know um it's but yeah uh, I mean, I think a lot of people hate it because it's not the Road Warrior, and I like it. It's the it's the kind of the alien versus aliens thing where it's like, yeah, you can argue about whether Alien or Aliens is better, but they're both yeah. good movies because what? they're so different, and that's why people yes. argue about them. If, if it had been the Road, I mean, I, like I said, I'm going to give Fury Road a deeper look, but my feeling watching the Fury watching Fury Road is I was like, this is a more. It felt too much like Road Warrior with and it was too long i was like okay this is like if you if you really messed up the editing on road warrior it was my my unfair my unfair snap opinion but i will give it another watch to road warrior is a good comparison though like it's almost the same movie right it's just kind of like the goofier version slower Um, (laughs) it it is I, i don't know it is slower, I suppose, but like there's a lot more going on. I feel like if you take the be, wackiest yeah. elements uh, from the third movie and the most intense elements from the second movie, you get the fourth movie, uh, uh-huh. which uh, to me is an elevation of both. Um, like a lot of people, they look at Fury Road and they say, I don't really need the Road Warrior anymore because I have Fury Road. And I understand the sentiment. Like, I like the Road Warrior a lot. I think it probably is my favorite as well. I love the Road Warrior. Um I don't know. I, I feel like this is one of those franchises, though. Every time I watch any of the installments for months afterwards, I'm like, "That's definitely my favorite." One. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, we, they're all. I, I like all of them. I, I, I it's just you. But like I said, in Fury Road, I didn't hate it. I just, I and just I felt seen, like I haven't seen Fury Road. I, so I know. Though I have very, with the, I have, I have very, I have strong bigotry towards it as a movie because I, I know okay. that I. Not not bigotry, yeah. prejudice. I have strong prejudice towards it as a movie. Yeah, your bigotry you say for your personal life. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Yeah, think yeah, deplorable. Yeah. No, I just I mean, no. But what I mean is, I don't. I saw the ads for it, and I saw what people were saying about it, and a lot of what a lot, you know, because what most people were saying was stuff like what Joel just said, where like they were kind of trash. Not you weren't trash, but people were trashing. No, I'd never trash yeah. original ones, but, but I understand the sentiment. I was like, you know what? I don't need you trashing this classic movie. How dare you to, to promote to your this, new movie? This, like, because yeah. all I've seen so in the clip so far is like a guy with a flamethrower on a guitar and like oh, stuff awesome. that shouldn't be there. Do you know what I mean? Just like stuff <laughs> that makes no logical sense. Um, 
so so and granted road warrior had elements like that too but it just wasn't it, I, the it, extremes to which they pumped yeah, the apocalypse it, well, is, is pretty ridiculous but again become more cartoon as this franchise goes on and I, I will give it a fair viewing just like i gave last yeah. Jedi a fair viewing even though i had you know and i turned out to like it a lot more than i thought yeah i, I yeah we'll but, have to talk about last jedi at no, some but, point but it's it's but, a weird movie for me but i i feel like it looks more like a music video than a movie to me when i've seen clips of it and that's my biggest problem with it it's it is more of a movie than you get from the trailer i mean it is a a movie it's not okay I, it's like a, my, my my issue with it and like I, i'm looking forward to talking to joel about it on the podcast because from the standpoint that as i said with the first three the first three are all very different and they go in different directions every time. And I felt like I'm not feeling anything new here. I feel like okay. I feel like, oh, we need to renew our trademark on Mad Max. We better better make another Mad <laughs> yeah, Max. Yeah. Okay. And I, like well, it was fine. It's not like I hated it. I just I just didn't. Well, also, didn't I, he make? I, a couple so when of I talked to Joel, Joel might. Uh, well, maybe my second viewing will help me see more in it. But talking to Joel, did, I'm like, okay. You know, so I'm looking forward to that. Didn't he make a couple of bombs before he made that too? Like maybe it was him going back to something he felt he was. Oh, let's look at his career. Because I mean, he did. He did have his old children's movie thing where he made Babe and uh, that Penguin movie, and so he. Yeah, he made a lot of movies you wouldn't expect from the director of Mad Max. I think (laughs) I find I find I find Thunderdome interesting. People like, oh, I hated the children. It's like, oh, he's segueing into his children's movie period with that. Yeah, well, well, here's here's what I will say about that. Thunderdome. What? Okay, the best thing about Thunderdome is Tina Turner, in my opinion. That's that's the the main the main attraction to that movie is Tina Turner. Yeah, the two best things about that movie are Tina Turner. And yeah, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't have any bombs going into that. It's like, okay. you know, two, 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 2015 was Fury Road. Before that was Happy Feet 2, which was a successful, successful. kids movie. So, okay. he, uh, you know, I, they had to drag me into the theater to watch Happy Feet. Um, duh. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't watch I've stuff like that. Actually, I might have seen I, I might have been George Miller Happy films Feet. I've seen in the theater. Happy Feet. But, and my, my, my wife made me watch Happy Feet. But with Thunderdome, the things I don't like about it are... The elements that it brings in from Road Warrior. So that chase scene at the end, I feel, is totally unnecessary. It doesn't work. Okay. That chase, that chase I, I need to see it again because yeah. it's been it, way too long. I, I can't that's, really talk that's about the it moment. Yet. Let's let's not I, talk about it yet, to be honest. I okay. feel like we're kind of we're, okay, if we get yeah, too much right. into talking about specifics, we're kind of prejudicing our discussion, our viewing. Fair actually. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, so I guess I guess we'll end it there. Um, and uh, what, what are we doing next? I know we're going to, so we're, this is a 12 day and, and it might be more than 12 if we want to cram another movie in, but it's 12 <laughs> days. It's 12, it'll be a Christmas miracle, but yeah, um, <laughs> the 12 days of yeah. Christmas. So we have 11 more movies to review. Uh, we've got some really sexy ones on there. I, I opted for RRR, which I've got to drag Adam into. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I haven't seen it, so I, I'm totally in for that. I would oh, like man. to, I, I would like to jump into something very reliable. For the second movie, sounds good to me. That's the, the way to go. Um, I don't know what that's going to be, but uh, I know that. Uh, yes. Why don't we just do? Do we want to give people a preview, or do we want to surprise? Sure, people? sure. Let's give them a preview. So, so we know that we might do some other Mad Max movies. We might do all of them. We haven't really fully decided. Die Hard. Do, let, let's let's do all of them, but it's just a question: Will they be part of the Twelve Days of Fistmas? Okay, because I, I feel like putting all four to Twelve Days of Fistmas is a little, a little <laughs> much. But maybe we, a Road Warrior. Road Warrior probably would be a good one if we're going to do two, just because that is one of the great action movies of all time. So. But we're also going to be doing Commando, Fist of Legend, 
Uh, we might do Kill Bill. We're going to pick a Jackie Chan movie. We haven't fully settled, but we're leaning on Police Story 3 or Project A. Um, John Wick, I think, is one we want to do. Um, yeah, I haven't seen John Wick oddly okay. enough, so okay. that's, 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 that's a must-see. Well, we almost have to I watch it because I haven't seen it either. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So it's it's on the list. Oh, you got, and either of you... Can okay. we do it next, yeah. actually? We can just make that our next one. Now, there we go, John you Wick. You want to do John Wick next? I can, I can do yeah. John Wick. Okay, all right. all right, so we'll do John Wick next, then. Yeah, great. And, uh, all right, so we'll leave it there, and we'll be back on with John Wick. All right.